everyone, and welcome to First Gen Gamers, our second episode where uh, myself, co-host number one, Jed Schaefer, and my and co-host number two, Michael Peterson, old school gamers, where uh, we debate topics of that cover the entire span of video game history, and we go generation by generation, picking the our personal nominees for each topic and debating which one's better. Yeah, yeah. Michael, how you doing? Uh, oh, uh, well, I've been sick the last couple of weeks. The whole fam, we've been taken down. I don't know by what, but uh, we're recovering. So I'm going to try to mute my cough. But if, if one slips in, I apologize. <laughs> how, That's how right. Been? You know, honestly, I had a cold about three weeks ago, and I've had the cold for or the cough for two weeks. Right. So I I took cough suppressant before the uh, before we started recording. So and I've got a bottle of water just about a foot to my left, so I'm hoping that I can make it through without sounding like an iron lung patient. Okay, well, it sounds like we're in the same boat. I did the same preparations for the show, and uh, we picked a kind of weighty topic for the second episode. Yeah, um, and just in case they're listening for the first time, uh, like we said before, we pick a topic, we pick a nominee for each generation of consoles. We don't discuss the nominees ahead of time. So we're revealing to them each other in real time. And the topic for this week is the most important game of every generation. Exactly. Now, now, most important is a pretty nebulous term, I would say. So criteria is probably a moving target for both of us. Uh, yeah, that's actually a great way to put it. Um I mean, we're going to obviously explain ourselves. We're not just going to pull a game out of our butts and go, moving on. Uh, but we're probably going to have varying criteria because, you know, what's important to a console can be relative to when it came out, what it was known for, how successful it was monetarily, but also with fans. I mean, there's so many factors to consider, and not every console is going to have that same story. So Right. And sometimes, to be honest, a one game will stand out. For a ge- like for me, I mostly just stuck to one console per generation. Mm-hmm. Although there are some consoles where it's there's some others that come to mind that are fairly obvious. But like something to keep in mind as we go forward, you probably you may not hear the big sellers. Yeah, I mean there, on some occasions they go without saying, mm-hmm. but you may not necessarily hear Super Mario sixty four or you know what whatever it may what be. You would because expect, yeah. Yeah, because just because it's a big seller doesn't mean it's like I said, it's a moving target. It's it's what we you'll catch on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to think <laughs> yeah. of it as we are identifying something formative for the call the console and maybe the culture at large. Right, and so sales may not necessarily uh, take into a, may not necessarily reflect that or. Um, they're just the criteria could be so wonky. It could, it might not even be a popular game. I'm thinking of a game that might come up here in the very first uh, or in the second generation. One of us might say. Mm. Um, so, with that being said, we might as well get into the second generation. Okay. Uh, what what did you go with? The second generation, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, data on. I started at third with the Nintendo and the Sega Master System. Um. So I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say to me. Like I, I had some exposure to Atari, but most of the time I was playing games at that age, it was like, 
an arcade cabinet, you know, like a Pac-Man table, a Qbert uh, arcade cab, something like that. All right. So the one that I was alluding to, which is more negative than positive, would be E.T. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that is not my pick, though. I mean, E.T., there's a strong case to be made. Now, it's it's notoriety for, quote-unquote, causing the video game crash is a bit overblown because there were a lot of mitigating factors that went into the crash. For sure. E.T. E.T. was just the most visible. It was the uh, last Jenga p- uh, piece that was pulled, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. But my pick for the second generation is you're going to raise an eyebrow at this, and uh, listeners, I think you will too. But it will. It once I explain it, I think it will become clear. And that game is Kaboom. Kaboom. I, Kaboom. I am confused because yeah. I don't know if I've heard of that game. I was expecting you to say something like, I, I don't know, like asteroids, perhaps space invaders. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, I understand. Kaboom. Explain. Yeah. <laughs> what what so, is Kaboom? First of all. Well, not kaboom, kaboom. Kaboom, okay. Yeah, like explosion. I missed the M. Okay, but kaboom, I still haven't heard of it. Kaboom. Uh, So kaboom is a a fairly simple game where um, bombs are being dropped off the top of a roof and you got to catch them to prevent explosions. Mm. I mean, it's a very, it's a a static one screen game. It's not, by all means, the gameplay is not the most dynamic. It's fun. It's it's an arcadey kind of game or it's a high score kind of game. You don't, um, you know, it's not... it's not a quest. There's not, I'm sure there's a kill screen. I would never have gotten. Well, now that you describe it, like it actually sounds like something that you've played maybe under a different name. Like it's been replicated several times. The formula of bombs dropping, you must protect ground, right? Oh yeah, it has. It's, it's been repeated in in numerous different ways. What, why I picked Kaboom though is because of what it symbolizes. Okay. The, in 1979, Five developers got sick and tired of being representing over 65% of Atari's net income and getting salaries of less than $25,000 a piece. Mm, okay. And, and not being able to put their name in the credits. Right. As a matter of fact, not even, they didn't even allow credits. And they went to the bosses and Atari said, no, your success is Atari's success. Mm. There's no, there's no I. There's just we. And they said, yeah, uh, kiss my ass, we quit. Uh, and they formed a company. They put out a few games that did a little, that did okay, a fishing game, a card game, stuff like that. But Kaboom was their biggest hit. Hmm. Kaboom was the, not their biggest, but the, it was their first hit. It yeah. was the first one that really sold. No pun intended. Yeah. That company is Activision. Mm. So that's what would eventually become Activision. That's what we, yep. They, I mean, it was founded, the company was founded with the name Activision. So yeah, it's, that company is what we know today wow. for good or ill. Uh, kind of, you know what? F- it makes the name make sense. Yeah. They had and a they vision. The- they decided to be activists about it. Yep. And they, uh, they were the first third party. Wow. Okay. So, you sold me actually. So, so this game not necessarily this game so much, but I mean, this game helped put Activision on the map mm. and helped Activision path, create a path forward. There were legal challenges at first, but um, without them, without Kaboom, 
and the games that followed, Pitfall and stuff like that, the video game industry would be radically different. It definitely wouldn't be as far along, I, I don't think, because that probably caused innovation to explode once now anybody that can program can make a game and sell it to a console, you know? Yep. Yep. That's great. Excellent so, pick for yeah, second thank you. gen. Okay. All right. Moving forward to the third generation, the uh, the generation that most of us started of our age uh, really grew up with. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kick this one off? Okay. I, I don't think I'm going to surprise anybody with what I picked for the Nintendo. Um, but, I, you know, obviously I still have an explanation banked that I'm sure everybody can guess. But Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> that has to be the most important game for the console. That really... I think launched not only the the popularity of that type of platform and Mario games in general, like just with the the map and and the refined gameplay and the power ups and everything. Like it's still lauded as one of the best two D, if not the best two D Mario Brothers games of all time. And it just really showed what the NES can do. And then me personally, uh, I think Legend of Zelda is also a heavy contender for a formative game. Because just like the original Super Mario Brothers, it almost single-handedly launched, you know, a genre of game in the adventure style game where you're not told where to go and you are just set loose, right, to explore and figure out how to carve your way through this world. You know, and it's, it's a gameplay genre that has endured so heavily that it continues to put out bangers when everybody follows the formula. I mean, you think about Breath of the Wild. That's basically Legend of Zelda, but just obviously on a larger scale. Uh, your your Soulsborne games, you know what I mean? Things that people really have to kind of slowly chew through, right? Um, I feel like that that started with Legend of Zelda. And again, it opened people's minds up to what games could be, right? I Those are both uh, great candidates. I I. I can't argue against either one of them. Okay. What what you got for Nintendo? Uh so I only had one. Um I mean both like I said, both of those were great candidates, but for me it's also going to be a really obvious pick, the OG Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Um for all the reasons that you said Super Mario Brothers 3 helped propel the platform genre to a new generation and, you know, technically uh, visually, gameplay, variety, it is better than Super Mario Brothers. But we don't get there with, for me, we don't get there without starting with the original. Yeah. And the NES doesn't become the juggernaut, the 95% market share gobbling monstrosity that it was in the 80s without uh, the killer app. And mm. that killer app was SMB. A pack-in. Maybe a pack-in with Duck Hunt if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think as we go through this, even even though some of these picks aren't going to be, like, early on in the console cycle or, like, you know, launch a genre onto its own, but formative is going to win out more than, more than not because you're right. Like, if you really want to think about something that's most important to a console, it's got to be something that gave, gave it legs in the beginning, right? And that would be Super Mario Brothers. No, you're right. Yeah. Maybe Legend of Zelda close behind, but again, for a different style of game. Uh, but that's yeah. the thing. I mean, before 
Nintendo, I feel like all games follow the arcade format formula. I mean, you had some outliers and one-offs where they did try to do an adventure-style format, but it was still so primitive it felt like a single-screen game. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so all, all these different genres, I mean, you could point to anyone that launched a particular type or genre of game on Nintendo, and it would it would be a strong contender. But Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. is obviously king. So. Yeah. Sega Master System, did you have anything for that? No, <laughs> honestly. Um, <laughs> uh, no slight to the Sega Master System, um, because it does have some fantastic games. Yeah, um, but it wasn't your console at the time, right? Uh, no, it was not. Um, I played it mostly when I got a Genesis, I had the power base converter. Mm. Um, so I was able to go back and grab some master system games. Uh, so, you know, I've played, played a little bit of one of the Alex kids. I don't remember which played Mm. Shinobi. Um, and a lot of them got re-released on the Genesis too. Like it was very easy to play master system games. If you just had a Genesis, even without that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not all the ones that were released. Right. And, but there, the master system was such a, again, no, no slag on it for quality, but it just didn't have impact. Mm. It, it was, it was a ghost in the market. So picking the most important games, like, I, I, I can't think of a game that was important to it because the system itself was just almost invisible. Yeah, with this one, I kind of had to bend the rules a, a bit, and I thought about something that was important to Sega, right? Because Sega Master System, if they have anything on there that they think is worthwhile, that will carry through and then continue to pay back dividends for them. And the game that I thought about and re- that would fit that description would be Fantasy Star, their flagship RPG franchise, right? Yep. A lot of fans out there, myself included. My first RPG ever was Fantasy Star 2. Right, I love Fantasy Star too. Yeah, God, talk about a soundtrack that slaps. We were talking earlier about uh, Bust a Move, but man, nothing beats that Fantasy Star two soundtrack. Man, the overworld music gets you pumped mm-hmm. every time. Um, but yeah, no, Fantasy Star, the original one, was very cool, and it had like first person style dungeons, and then like kind of regular world exploration. It was, you know, it had a, a neat, cohesive story. It came out two days after Final Fantasy, so I think it often gets overshadowed because the bigger console had a bigger game. But uh, just like Final Fantasy was innovating, I, I feel like Fantasy Star was doing similar things. But like you said, just wasn't on the platform that they were able to shine uh, until later, at least. So, yep. but yeah, that, that's what I would say. Fantasy Star, definitely. I, I can't argue with that at all. Um like I said, I'm a huge Fantasy Star fan. Regrettably, I never did beat Fantasy Star. I got to Lassic, and I just could never beat him. Well, for you and for all the other folks out there who are curious, I think the best way to play right now is the Sega Classics. Um, you know how, like, on uh, Nintendo Switch, you can buy the, indivi- the Sega Sega Master Collection or something like that? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. They're re-releasing all these Sega games one at a time. Uh, what they do with Fantasy Star is they actually augmented it by adding a map that updates in real time. Yes. Oh. And it ch- it literally changes the game. Okay? That thing that you had to do on Notepad if you were really dedicated, like it maps it out for you. And it makes the game so much easier, not artificially in a way that cheapens the game, but just, you know, out of, you know, modern conveniences, right? And, of course, you got all your other 
types of, you know, ROM emulator hacky type stuff that you can do with Sega games when you buy them digitally nowadays. But I, I ended up beating it playing it that way because I was actually genuinely having a good time. So I would recommend anybody who hasn't had a chance to finish it but wants to to maybe try that version. There you go. Yep. On sale typically too. All right, let's get to the fourth generation. So the SNES... The Genesis, the Turbo Graphics 16, CDI, Neo Geo. Um, what 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 are you thinking? Do you have anything for the more obscure systems? Um, TG 16, bonk. It's yeah. It's pro. It's their most recognizable game. It's it became their de facto mascot, even if he wasn't the planned mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a good platformer. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, yeah, absolutely no. I, I love the TurboGrafx-16. I think it's a it's an overlooked, fun little system, uh, and Bonk is just a fun, simple mascot platformer. Okay. Uh, nothing for the CDI and the Neo Geo. Um, CDI is the CDI. <laughs> <laughs> when you sell a console with a sticker price of $1,100, you're kind of asking for uh, to be in the position you're in historically i feel like a few episodes in we're gonna realize that we just have nothing for certain consoles and certain generations we might just might as well just even stop bringing them up although i'm hanging on that like one list one time will be maybe about failure and then they'll shine (laughs) oh i've got i've got a couple list ideas in mind and and i already know that one of them is gonna have a cdi game on it oh that's wonderful all right cdi you're you're safe for now (laughs) <laughs> well, before we were recording, I had mentioned Neo Geo that I hadn't picked anything, but you know, while I was thinking about it, you know, Metal Slug, Bust a Move, um, you could even say Fatal Frame, you know, because that's like one of their kingship, uh, or their flagship uh, fighting games. Uh, King of Fighters is another one. Um, in fact, they had a lot of. If you want, if you liked fighting games, the Neo Geo was the system for you, especially arcade yeah, fighters. That, you know what I mean? That that thing was just. Uh, that may be part of the reason why I couldn't pick a, a dominant game on there is because when I think of Neo Geo, I think of fighting games. But like you said, you got Fatal Fury, you got King of Fighters, you got Samurai Showdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three or four Gowry, more. I Mark think. of the Wolves. <laughs> like there's so many. Right. So, so many. I, I, yeah, I, I can't pick one above the other. So just uh, okay, fighting games, fighting games <laughs> for the Neo Geo. I'll take it. Um, okay, so Sega Genesis. Um, I feel like I'm really boring on this generation too. I'm looking at what I picked on my notes here and I'm like, oh, I couldn't think of anything else. I'm sure I have a good reason. I'll think of it. But did you, did you pick anything interesting for the SNES or the Genesis? I, I have one game that covers both. Okay. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you want to go with your two first, go ahead, go right ahead. Fair enough. Uh, so for Genesis, I, I picked the Sonic the Hedgehog series. I mean, come on, come on. Blast processing, baby. <laughs> um we all we all know and love it it's it's the um what, what what's the thing that the snes had the uh mode seven mode seven it's the mode seven of genesis blast processing <laughs> although maybe not as real <laughs> <laughs> but no sonic i mean he was an instant classic he's an enduring mascot for a reason he's I would argue his design is better than mario's and for the simple fact his design is better than mario's because no matter how consistently, especially in recent years, the games have been bad, the fan base stays fiercely loyal and strong. You know what I yes. mean? 
Like mm-hmm. Mario's riding off the back of the fact that all his games are awesome for the most part, right? But Sonic, like he has endured things that would really engender hate in someone. In fact, I see a lot of Let's Players that have to play Sonic games and it cracks me up every time because it's like their own personal hell. And yet, Sonic as a character endures. And the design of Sonic, especially when they first started out, like the Genesis was such a 90s console. Mm-hmm. Like that that 90s defiant yeah, Gen attitude. X, yeah, <laughs> middle finger, snotty, punky attitude. Mm-hmm. Sonic just embodies that. And without feeling like um, like Poochie on The Simpsons, yeah. you know? He he doesn't feel like this product of a of a of group thinking marketing. He just feels like the appropriate mascot for a console that is basically uh, that's trying to disrupt the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sad what he turned into eventually, but when he started out, definitely, <laughs> definitely a yeah. symbol for all us kids. They're like, damn the man, we're gonna put on our red shoes and run real fast. <laughs> um, now me personally I had a sidebar about the Genesis um, the most game important game for the Genesis for me personally would be Gunstar Heroes Gunstar Heroes is something I've always gone back to again and again and the thing that really blew my mind about Gunstar Heroes and maybe I should save this for a future list because I'm sure we'll do something about you know important games to us but just to say briefly it taught me that you can incorporate many different gameplay styles and genres into one game. The levels that how they varied from level to level and how the story progressed, how you move through the world and could attack enemies or interact with your environment. It, it was like Kojima levels of thought that it went into it at the time. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. I've never really enjoyed a game as much as, at that time that as I enjoyed Gunstar Heroes just for the thrill of it. You know what I mean? Yep. So... SNES, uh, Super Mario World, Mario Kart. Like, like what do you want from me? <laughs> like, Super Mario World. I don't even personally like Super Mario World. I've never beaten it, and I've never really enjoyed it past the first couple of levels. And Really? Yeah, I, it's one, like, you know how we were talking about how, you know, you don't like Last of Us, and you get why everybody else likes it? Same mm-hmm. with Super Mario World. It's just a game that, like, I didn't grow up with because I was a Genesis kid, and I played it, like, at a friend's house, you know, when I was older, because, you know, it's so beloved and it's so talked about. I just, ne- it never really clicked with me. Interesting. Yeah. So, apologize if that hurts anybody's feelings out there. You know, it is what it is. I, I wanted to click with it. Just didn't, didn't work. Mario Kart, on the other hand. Oh, my God. Playing that to, like, the yeah. Prodigy Fat of the Land album. Whew. Smack my bitch up. Oh. Whenever you hit somebody with a turtle shell, it's, it's beautiful. I did that in like 1080, I think on N64, I would play with like, you know, techno CDs and stuff and it enhanced the experience really. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I typically went with heavy metal. So, you know, I'd be like, oh, playing, God. Um, yeah, God, like Slayer in the background. I played like the heavy metal or like, yeah, Slayer when I would play like Eternal Champions or like some kind of goth or awesome fighting game. You know what I mean? Or Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat for sure, dude. Yeah. No, there's a there's a genre of music for every genre of game out there, and it just it fits like peanut butter and jelly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Kids today, <laughs> they're probably listening to podcasts or TikToks while they play games rather than music. You know what I mean? That's probably what yep. they're doing nowadays. Um, I they're doing. I do it sometimes too. <laughs> what are your games? My game uh, is Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Four letters. 
Most in, most impactful. SRB. Yes, most impactful. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll concede to you that if you're looking, if you're leaning on impactful as being influential for the most important, then this would take the cake hands down. Just because like you said, the ESRB, um, the, the violence, the, the way it kind of like raised games in the general consciousness and showed us that the more controversy a game generates, the more it sells mm-hmm. all the edgelord bullshit that you and I enjoyed post mortal Kombat, We probably can thank Ed Boon for, you know, exactly. <laughs> Yep. So I mean, when a game gets the attention of the United States Congress mm-hmm. and pisses them off, mm-hmm. it's doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just it feels great. <laughs> Sonic yeah. could never. <laughs> no, he he could glare at you all you want for not touching the controller for thirty seconds. But yeah. He Sub Zero ripping someone's head out. Yeah. Nah. Oh my God. Sorry, Sonic. Yeah, no, um, I'd have to agree. I mean, I think that is a, it's a it's a sweep across the consoles. Ignore a lot of other things that have happened, but it was so impactful. Like you can you couldn't argue that any other game changed the gaming la- landscape more just be- by virtue of that ratings board. You know what I mean? Right. Wild. Yeah. Wild. All right. Well, let's let's shoot on over the fifth gen then. Got a few fifth things gen. we can probably talk about. Um, PS One, Saturn, N sixty four, the Jaguar. 3DO. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm skipping the 3DO and the Jaguar. <laughs> Me too. I did, yeah, there's just nothing there. Um, N64, Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, without, I know that Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time has the bigger fan base. It has the higher Metacritic rating. It has all the accolades, mm-hmm. but... That doesn't happen without Nintendo learning how to do 3D and do it well first with Mario 64. Formative beats out once again. No, that's that's sound logic. Because I had mentioned them both on my list too. And again, I think it's a similar story from Super Mario Brothers to The Legend of Zelda, right? Definitely cornering the market on completely different but equally awesome genres. But one just kind of preceded the other. One walked so the other could run, right? Yep, so exactly. That's man, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh what about PS1? PS1. Um I I I can make a case for a couple of games. Um you could certainly make a case for Final Fantasy 7. Yep, that's the first one I wrote for, down. Yeah. For a lot of for a lot of reasons and I will let you make that case. Um but uh for me Metal Gear Solid. Hell yeah. That's my personal one for sure. Metal Gear Solid represents a a change in philosophy in the way the games are shown. Um I mean before there were stories that went right went in in to the games. Uh I'm thinking of like the original Ninja Gaiden, which had those amazing cutscenes mm-hmm. uh on you know on the original Nintendo. Oh yeah. But n- no game had such a deep cinematic uh densely layered story as metal gear solid mm-hmm. there were so many characters there were so many there was so much lore behind it uh it felt like playing a movie without being you know like the sega cd games where you were literally playing like a movie and just sitting left. yeah which are always yeah. lame <laughs> right um but this was like actually playing you had gameplay moments and then movie moments right. and uncharted tomb raider last of us uh legacy of Kane, 
just about every cinem- the new Spider-Man, every cinematic-driven game traces its roots back to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, no, I have to... I have to agree. I mean, you could make a case for the the complexity of JRPGs, but it it just hit different. It was also a Japanese game, but like you said, the way it was presented, it was very cinematic. And I mean, Hideo Kojima is very, I want to make a movie, but I'm making it with a game, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, this actually themes up with your pick for, you know, the the second generation, Kaboom, right? Uh, Because, again... Since that time, you know, developers and people who work on a game do get their name in the credits. But this, in my opinion, at least, marked the first time that I noticed a developer or director of a game, like, really putting themselves front and center. If, if right, not like, next to, over the publisher. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Hideo Kojima's name became, to a video game, what Spielberg is to a movie. Yes, Yes, exactly, exactly. Like, he he quickly caught a rep for being an auteur, having a certain type of style, but having that style really be something that you talked about. I mean, the, the, the instances of meta in the gameplay, the way it kind of played with how you interacted with the case the game in, the second controller port, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. memory card and what was stored on it. Oh, my God. Um so many like mind plays in this game that worked with your understanding of the real world just as much as your of your understanding as the game. You know what I mean? It yep. sold the PlayStation to me. So I can't argue with your pick. I really can't. You know, and quite literally, it did for me too. I was a Saturn diehard. I rode that thing out to just about the end, mm. and Metal Gear Solid coming out was the game where I went, okay, fine. This thing's dying, and that thing's got this awesome-looking game. Let's go. Might as well. Let's go. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I as far as Final Fantasy VII, again, similar, like, parallel to Metal Gear, the storytelling really did open up. The CG cutscenes really did open up. Um, the game itself, I think, just had such an interesting, powerful story. You know, eco-terrorists, you know, like... Uh, um, misremembering, you know, things, trauma, all, all the stuff that you kind of deal with, you know, identity, um, all these themes kind of ran throughout. And this was marked the first time for me where they were kind of displayed so eloquently. I mean, delightfully aged now, if you go back to it, but still the fact that they were able to make a remake recently and get the spirit of it and it hit just as hard. I mean, says something about it, you know? Um, and, and I would, and I would add to it, not just from a game perspective, but from an industry perspective too, this is the game that made Squaresoft part ways with Nintendo. Yeah. And that was a big domino falling that Nintendo didn't recover from until the Wii because, I mean, they lost Squaresoft. Konami put out, you know, when, when once Nintendo said, we're going with carts, Konami bailed on them. They had what, like, three, four games on the system. Mm. Capcom had four games on the system. Mm. All of those third-party players that they had depended on for the NES and the SNES went, uh, no, the CD's a lot better. We're going to go, we're going to follow suit. And Final Fantasy VII was kind of the, it it was the first domino. Yeah, no, it definitely distributed power. And I think it was one of the instances where, you know, I think it did a lot of good. 
you know, you don't want one publisher or console being, you know, way more powerful than the others uh, because you always have them on the back foot and you stifle, you know, innovation. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about how Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard. You know, I knew they were going to succeed. I knew it. They just had to grease the right palms, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but that puts them at a significant advantage versus PlayStation. And I think PlayStation, like Nintendo, does have a robust catalog. And if they lean on it, I think they're going to make it. But it's you never want to see that kind of power shift in the wrong direction, right? Right. Because really we know where this could possibly lead, which is now Sony gobbling up someone like a Squaresoft or a Konami or a Capcom. Yep. And just kind of making that bubble narrower and narrower. Lots of people get laid off because you double up on jobs and we can't cut the, you know, the salaries of the CEOs. That's all another topic. <laughs> yep. PS one. One more thing on PS one, Tony Hawk's pro skater two, pro, pro skater one. If you want to get formative about it, <laughs> but no, that series like that really, I think was super important, especially for kind of the skateboarding genre, or like the alternative sports genre. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it really yep. had a style all its own and got people to recognize that like you don't just have to play football or baseball or soccer games. You can play other stuff, right? And it can be really Absolutely. awesome. So uh, shout out to Tony Hawk. N64, there was a game that I felt like made the console for me. And again, it's, it's personal, kind of like Metal Gear. Uh, I wanted to give an honorable men- mention to Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. Again, wouldn't be there without Super Mario 64. And I don't think it's the most important game to the console, like, in a general sense. But to me, I really liked it because it felt the most like an anime. It had an introductory song for, like, a robot that you would control and do kaiju battles. You would run around and, like, smack stuff with your little pipe and switch characters. The characters were super goofy. They had, like, 18 different, like, moving animations depending on how far you push the stick. I mean, they just, they overdid it, you know what I mean? And just like Gunstar Heroes, it opened up kind of what's possible in a game and and all the, the sum of all its parts, I think, was really what made it great. So, recommend it if yeah. anybody has access to it. Yeah. All right. We are now on to Generation 6. Yeah. That's the GameCube, that's the original Xbox, the Dreamcast, and the PS2. The PS2. Such a, such a monster. Such yeah. a beast. Let's save it for last. Uh, did you have anything for Dreamcast? Uh, I guess you could say Sonic Adventure, maybe, or Power Stone. Um, Power Stone's I mean, good. It's, I went Soul Calibur. Just because of how yeah. well the arcade experience translated in the first, in my mind, of translating, you know, near one-to-one. Um, Shenmue, maybe, because obviously a lot of genres were influenced and, you know, put forth from that. And it may not look like it now, but at the time, literally every, like, that came out, I think, the same year that, like, Super Mario, maybe not. Hold on. It, there was, most games look like Super Mario World at the time, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it was the first one that actually got that in depth with all the 3D and the environments and everything. I thought it was wild. Right. Um, I feel like we're going to have the same thing for Xbox. Probably. Do you, you want to say it with me now? Three, two, one. Halo. Halo. Yeah, Halo. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's Halo. Right. Uh, like, it's uh, no diss on the Xbox, but it was... Every console was buried alive in that generation by the PS2. So, yeah. and Halo is, was and is their 
longest lasting, strongest, strongest franchise. Yeah. It helped him hang on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, helped him hang on and helped make console based multiplayer over a network. Mm hmm. A viable thing. Yeah, Halo didn't earn this top spot by default, even though it earned it by default. <laughs> I mean, it legit could compete even if there were other formative games on the console, because, like you said, all all of the uh, the ways it changed gaming landscape and brought people together. Another game that I I slept on, to be honest. I mean, I didn't own an Xbox in its hay to begin with, and when I got an Xbox, I went back to play stuff like Knights of the Old Republic or Ninja Gaiden Black, stuff like that. Um, but I get why Halo was beloved. And obviously if I had a lot of memories of playing it as much as say I played, I don't know, Gears of War in multiplayer, then I'd probably feel the same way. Yeah. I've, I was, I'm not a first person shooter guy anyway, Mm -hmm. but like I can't not pay respect to a game that a franchise and the first game in the franchise uh, that is revered as that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it did pave the way for all of us playing online, the games that we do enjoy. So, yep. There you go. All right, GameCube, little purple lunchbox, little tick so tank, adorable, little, little yep. engine that could, <laughs> little engine that tried. <laughs> yeah, little baby. I love my GameCube. I hug it every night before I go to sleep. What, what did you <laughs> name as a game that was important? Oh, uh, GameCube. Um, the the, the consoles. Uh, this one's challenging because the console has so many good games, but I don't feel like the console has a game that makes me think this is integral to the system because the system did underperform so much. And, and like, it's weird. Like it's, it's games have this long lifespan, but I don't feel like they're tied to the console itself. No, so, I know what you mean. Yeah. And sometimes, like, when I had to cheat earlier in the list and name something that was more important to Sega, Fantasy Star, we may have to cheat a little here. And that's nothing wrong with that. And and so I guess, based on that, Wind Waker? Zelda. Which, at Um, the time, people hated, by the way. Yeah. They were pissed about Uh, the art style. I was one of them. I remember seeing it and going, what the hell? What? I, I did not want Nickelodeon's... Legend of Zelda. I'm proud to say that I was on board immediately, but only because I really like cell shading. I know I was one of the few that did, and I understood that people were kind of cynical about it because it made things a little easier graphically. And so they were worried that people would just use it as a shortcut rather than, you know, something that fits their artistic vision. But I think with Wind Waker, that's exactly what happened. They had a vision, and this was the best way to do it. And Thank goodness it was, because that's one of the most gorgeous games on that console that holds up even today. Like, it barely looks yeah. different from the HD version on the Wii U. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Pretty much from what I understand, because I haven't played the HD version, um, most of the imp- – I mean, they did a spit and polish on the graphics, but most of the improvements I've heard were, like, quality of life stuff. Like, yeah. the the Triforce quest and, you know, sailing everywhere, back and forth across yeah, the map. Play, and they made that the songs on the ocarina, the widescreen. Yeah, you know. Good yeah. stuff. Good st- Little, stuff. Yeah. Stuff that um, you know, modders and hackers could probably do. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I, I yeah, I didn't think too much about the success of the console because again, definitely one of the things we need to use as a litmus is the success of the console and its strength in the market. But I don't think that can be the only litmus. You know, it can be 
a cult following after the fact. It could be fond memories. It could be a collective gaming culture consciousness. And I think the GameCube in retrospect is beloved. And I think it's beloved for a lot of different types of games. The ones I picked were Metroid Prime. You know, like it was such a big gamble to change the style of Metroid and then somehow create a whole new genre and a whole new hit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's... I know I said I don't. I'm not a fan of first person shooters. Mm-hmm. Prime is the exception. Yeah, I think Prime converted a lot of people just by their, you know, virtue of their love for Metroid and maybe not having anything else to play on the GameCube at the time. You know, depending on what they were into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I think for me, what a game that did that because I used to hate first person mode in any game for a while. Like I was a holdout. I really didn't like it, but uh, it was Oblivion on 360 trying out the first okay. person mode on Elder Scrolls, uh, that is what got me into it eventually. You know what I mean? But I, I think this did mm-hmm. it for a lot of people. Another game that completely not changed genres, but definitely changed, you know, core gameplay mechanics that could have destroyed it. Resident Evil four. I mean, I, you know, I forgot that that originated on the GameCube. That's, that's the a, thing. that's a damn good one. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and, it really was the first of its kind that launched a whole new genre of like over the shoulder shooters, right? And mm-hmm. and still came out the gate doing it, you know, among the best, if not the best, you know, in a lot of people's opinion. There's a reason why, like Skyrim, it gets ported to fucking everything. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but no, it started on that little baby GameCube, and I wore it out, you know, and it was a while before it actually made its way to PS2. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it maybe even would have edged out if it was exclusive, but I think that's why Metroid Prime kind of takes it for me. So That's understandable. Yeah. We've, and then we come to the PS2. Save the best for last. All right. What you got? So I, I don't remember if we discussed this in the first episode, but um, I want to preface my pick because with a little bit of a story in that. I have a weird relationship with the PS2. Mm. Um, I had a PS2. I got it at launch. Um, it came out, what, late 2000, like November, December 2000, I think. Yeah, it was just about 2001 as far as people were getting access to it, right? Like yeah, winter 2000. Yeah. So the following year, I met my wife. We were long distance. I was in Oregon. She was in Michigan. Um Met in March. I ended up moving out to Michigan here in September. Um, you know, the next few years we're living together, planning a wedding, uh, having kids in 2006. The reason I say all that is because with all of that uh, stuff of going from young guy gamer to married to father, I had the PlayStation and I had games for it and I played it, but because my life was so focused on other things, yeah, I have this weird relationship with it where I recognize the fact that it is an amazing and important console, but I don't really have a deep emotional connection to it. Interesting. A lot of the games on it just are like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's all right. Um, and that's not to say that any of them – that. I mean, there are games on there that I love. My favorite game of all time comes from the PlayStation 2. But the console itself, I just, I, I'm kind of distant from. Hmm. 
just because of the circumstances of my life. So That's with fair. all that said, I have to go obvious, I guess, and maybe there are no, there's an obvious pick that you're going to throw up and I'm going to slap my head for, but uh, God of War. Yeah. Um, I know it was late in the console's life cycle. Uh, sales are not the metric here. It's more just that it's an enduring franchise. It's it's just a damn great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's when I think of the PlayStation 2, it's the first game that comes to mind. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those benchmark games where I distinctly remember there being a before God of War and then after God of War as far as just the way it played. I mean, I remember, gosh, it was advertised pretty heavily because it was obviously a first person or a first person. It was a uh, a first party uh, game developed by Sony, like America, but I don't remember which studio. Santa Monica, maybe? Santa Monica. Yeah. And... Uh, but, you know, it was still an unknown, you know, and I was the type of guy going to GameStop occasionally looking at new games, taking a gamble. And I bought God of War when it launched just because it looked sort of interesting and Game Informer talked a lot about it. And just within the first few seconds of being on that boat, you know, with the Hydra and the enemies coming after you and pressing, you know, trying out the buttons and one of them just makes him instantly rip enemies in half. I mm-hmm. hollered like <laughs> I hollered out loud. I was having so much fun. And then the 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 Blades of Chaos, just the, how it feels to use those whip-like weapons. You know what I mean? Like, they did mm-hmm. such a good job launching that franchise. And, and then did a great job rebooting it when it got stale. Like, you know, Resident Evil 4-ing it, basically. Um, yeah. Man, I have a lot of love for that series. So I, I totally see. And I wrote it down as one of the games, potentially, that would be the most important. So, you know, we, we're in agreement there for sure. I have what I like to call the four horsemen of the PS2. Uh, and it's because they were all just instant heavy hitters that came out around the same time that really launched the system into the stratosphere. And those four games right. are Grand Theft Auto 3, Final yep. Fantasy X, Metal Gear yep. Solid 2, and Devil May mm-hmm. Cry. No argument on any of the four. Came out the gate and crushed it. You know what I mean? Like, um, these are not all new franchises. Uh, but in the case of Grand Theft Auto and, you know, Devil May Cry was brand new and Grand Theft Auto, I mean, it might as well have been new because it just so such radically changed the way it was played, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I've played racing games on PlayStation one, obviously. And I've played a few on PS2, like maybe like driver or something like that. But to be able to get in and out of any car, anytime, that was such a foreign concept you know, something I never even really thought about. It was as it was even more climactic than the moment that you could play Spider-Man two and jump from the tallest building and land on the ground. You know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. just one of those moments where you're like, Oh, we can do this now. <laughs> um, and it, it, I don't want to say it created the open world game, you know, the open world genre, because it does have some lineage that you could trace back to Shenmue, but still, Shinmu's open world was one way. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto's was another way. And yeah. you see which one survived. Well, they both survived. I mean, look at Yakuza. Yeah. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. Yakuza yeah. is basically Shenmu. I mean, you don't drive cars, you don't you have a smaller area to explore, but it's very densely packed. There's less of an emphasis on the tedium, like the schedules, which I always thought was cool, the the schedules of the people, but the schedules you have to follow, like you gotta wait until the next day. 
um, picking up every object and turning it over, like over modeling. You know what I mean? There's definitely some things I think that they left behind for, for good reason, but yeah, man, Yakuza, it's, it's that Grand Theft Auto for people who are a little bit exhausted by Grand Theft Auto, you know, like they want that experience. They just don't want to have to trek, you know, 10 miles to get it back and forth. <laughs> so, yep. Um, but yeah. And it's always quirky and insane in a good time. So, uh, yeah. So PS2 had a lot of potentials there. I mean, for me, I think the, the game I was most excited for and like guaranteed the love and followed it heavily. And one of my earliest memories of falling games on the internet, I did a lot for PS2, like for Kingdom Hearts and for uh, uh, Devil May Cry because I played the demo. But Final Fantasy X, like that, I was just so excited because 9 was my favorite game of all time and it had been for a while. Um, and it, it would continue to be for a while, but you know, I was like, how many discs is it going to come on? Cause I didn't understand the difference between storage on CDs and DVDs <laughs> and you know, what, what the spell's going to look like, you know, and, and how what, graphics and they're going to talk. Oh my God. So, <laughs> um, and man, the golden age of voice acting late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, I miss it so much. Uh, I, I'm picturing that scene where, um, I can't cloud. No, not Cloud. Titus and yeah. um, Una. I can't think. Ah, yeah, ha, yeah, Titus. Ha, ha, ha. ha, ha. Ah. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's terrible. I love it. Um, seventh generation. Seventh generation. We've talking about Final Wii. Fantasy X all day. <laughs> yep. The Wii, the 360, and the PS3. Yes. Uh, let's start 360. Gears of War. Gears of War. Interesting. Um, I'm going to pick Halo 3. Okay. But not for a positive reason. Oh. Okay. I think Halo 3 is emblematic of the way that Microsoft dropped the ball in this generation. You think they dropped the ball in the 360 generation? I don't know if that's a popular opinion there, Jed. It, it, I'm sure it isn't, okay. but um, allow me to state my case here. Okay. So they did great up until a point where they decided not to do great. Mm. And that point was the connect when they took their eyes off the, their hardcore audience and they started focusing on the not hardcore audience. You know what's up? And I, um, I, I hate to admit this, but I was 100%. I completely bought into the connect. I was so hyped for it. Dude, I'm I know ashamed. so many people that did. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I know, I know so many people that did. I, I, Peter I, Molyneux, I not, that asshole, he got me. I should have known better. Now we know. Now, now we, we know now we just know. not to trust, not to trust anything that comes out of that dipshit's mouth. For sure. <laughs> but for me, Halo Three represents the same mindset that Microsoft had of not delivering fully on their promise, not focusing on what was needed because what was Halo 3's marketing campaign? Finish the fight. Mm. Yeah. That whole thing was all built around wrapping up Halo, about bringing it to the final conclusion. And what did they do? Not that. <laughs> yeah. They did not give the fans what they wanted. Not that Halo 3 is a bad game, mm -hmm. But it shows that Microsoft just didn't have – they didn't have 
they were thinking bottom line oriented. They weren't thinking about the artistic merit of the game. They weren't thinking about following through with what the people were expecting. Yeah. And so that's why I would pick Halo 3 as a less because of the game and more because of what it symbolizes where they went in that generation. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I didn't think when we were making these lists to go important in a negative way, but you're right. Like something that's that impactful. Again, if you're judging by how impactful it is, you make a strong case. You do. I think Gears of War for me was just because it became a flagship 360 known franchise. So many people tried to copy it. Uh, just the style of gameplay and the the teaming up and the, you know, waist high brown shooter. <laughs> like, but I mean, again, Gears of War did it the best. They did it out the gate. And Gears of War 2 right. is like one of my favorites on that system. I had so much fun. I love catch co-op games. I like having – one of the times I missed most out of my life, and we all have times we're nostalgic for. Like I love my life now. Don't get me wrong. But when I think back on different parts of my life, one of the things I miss that I don't really get anymore as a family man is me and a bro sitting in a room, you know, drinking beer, eating Doritos, fucking playing video games all night long. Like playing mm-hmm. a shooter, like a co-op game together and just like kicking ass, you know, teamwork, making the dream work, right? Yep. It, it, the treasure was the friends we made along the way, right? <laughs> um, I miss that so much. And Gears of War like really delivered that to me. So, and I think it delivered it to a lot of people. Like, I don't think it's just a personal story. I really do think that the Gears of War sold a lot of 360s. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why it went, what, five games, six games deep? Yeah. Something like that. It Because of... Because of that co-op, because of that gameplay. Yeah. Now, I will say on more macro levels, there are a lot of games, I think, that really kind of helped the 360 stand out and that carried on. Uh, Mass Effect, mm-hmm. you know, brand, brand new RPG by Bioware. They had some hits on the original Xbox, so, you know, nothing new. But I think that Mass Effect in particular kind of really launched what we know as modern Bioware up until Anthem, right? Uh, Skyrim, again, Oblivion was good, and I think it sold a few 360s, but it was still not quite there. But Skyrim, like, it, everybody, I mean, again, there's a reason why it keeps getting ported. You think it's overblown, you think it doesn't deserve it, but then you boot it up again, and you're like, oh my god, I love this game. Oh my god, I forgot how much I love this game. Like, all its praise is deserved. It really is. I I never went back to it and then felt like I made a bad decision with my time that day. (laughs) Um, Fallout 3, again, changing the gameplay completely, but stumbling into something that people would love. The first time I stepped out into that wasteland from the vault, that feeling I got of like unknown and adventure and like there could be fucking anything out here. I love that. The first time you, the first time you run into a death claw and you're like, oh shit, all I've got is a pistol. He is drinking my bullets. What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that was that made me shit my pants for sure and i i get that feeling so rarely breath of the wild gave it to me bless its soul uh shadow of mordor gave it to me actually just because of the cool nemesis system they came up with but there Mm -hmm. are a few games nowadays that instill that same feeling as strongly as fallout 3 did and i'll always remember it for that and then on a more personal 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 note lost odyssey I am one of the people that really kind of pay attention to not only the things I love, but the people who create the things I love. And so for me, Final Fantasy, people have their complaints about 16. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot more in line with Final Fantasy than I thought it would. It reminded me a lot of Final Fantasy 10, to be honest. But 
everybody has a point where they feel like it doesn't feel like Final Fantasy. And for me, Final Fantasy hasn't been what I've grown up with, the same Final Fantasy since 10. Because Hironobu Sakaguchi left, and I feel like he was the heart and soul of that series. Even if he was only producer in the last few, you know, he still had uh, input on the story, he still had input on game direction, and I feel like him plus, you know, Nobu Amatsu doing the music, like, that was the heart and soul of Final Fantasy that is now gone. Now, Square Enix still pours tons of money into that game, so, I mean, you're gonna get a good game and a polished game, whether you, you know, really jive with one more than the other or not. Like, Final Fantasy is successful because they make it successful, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And right. so when he moved and started Miss Walker, I follow that very closely. Blue Dragon, uh, the last story on the Wii, Lost Odyssey was by far my favorite and to me felt like Final Fantasy XI. You know what I mean? Like, it was the next Final Fantasy, the one for me. Uh, so... If you haven't played it, you, it usually goes on sale for like five bucks digitally on the, you know, modern Xboxes you can play it on. And I highly, highly recommend it to RPG fans. If you slept on that, you shouldn't. So. Game made me cry, by the way. Like, blubbering tears. Like, there, there are a few games that make me cry. I think Final Fantasy X did. But, like, Lost Odyssey, like, whew, it pulls at the heartstrings. You wouldn't, like, you wouldn't believe. Beautiful, beautiful story. All right, uh, 7-Chan. Wait, no, we're, we're still on 7-Chan. PS3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much shit to say about 360, but PS3 was your console, right? PS3 was definitely my console. Um, problem is I'm having trouble just picking a game <laughs> or right. picking one Sometimes, game. I mean, like saw what I did with PS2. I had like five of them. PS3 is, uh, God, there's just so damn many. Mm. Um. I didn't even pick one to, to all, like on my list to be honest because I just I couldn't narrow it down. Um, hey, it's our list. We can do what we want. Name as many as you want. I don't care. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Uncharted uh, Two is probably one of them, right? You know, honestly, if I was going to pick one, that would probably be it. Yeah. Would be Uncharted Two. Uncharted Two, um, yeah, for sure. That both for personal and for uh, well, okay. If we're going, if I'm stepping outside a personal taste, Last of Us. I think that's the game that helped save the console. It's definitely a grander, more artistic vision. Um, yeah, but again, a stepping stone to Last of Us is Uncharted 2. Is Uncharted. And that is very true. Um, but yeah, Uncharted 2 is just such an amazing, fun game. Um, it has the epic story. It has an amazing score. Mm-hmm. Um Nathan Drake is a really fun character to play because he's not a true North hero. Mm-hmm. He is. Even he though he's is, played by Nolan North. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he's kind of a schmuck. Yeah. I mean, he, he's kind of a, he, he's not a very great person, mm-hmm. but there's fun in playing that not great person without him being an outright criminal. Yeah, being a bit of a rogue. Um, I mean, that's why Indiana Jones was so popular. Han Solo, right? Right. And, since you mentioned it, Uncharted is the closest. Is it, it's playing Indiana Jones without it actually being Indiana Jones. Basically, it is the yeah. be, it is the best distillation of the Indiana Jones mindset. They really messed up not game. giving him a whip, though. That's that's where they. I think they fell short. Could have been you know, wait twice as big. I think if they had a whip, every game should have a whip, at least two, maybe three. Lucasfilm might have uh, raised an eyebrow at that one. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man. 
All right. Well, I mean, I I literally wrote Uncharted two as well. Was there any other games you wanted to mention though? Because you said you had a lot swimming around. Anything you think like just needs to be mentioned? Uh, there's just so many games that I love on that system that it's hard to pick. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I, we won't make you Uncharted two. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Uncharted two. All right. I'm gonna give a side nod to Nino Cooney because that sold the PS3 to me. I didn't get it at launch. And I heard about, you know, how good Uncharted 2 was. So I definitely went back and played Uncharted. And um, uh, that game with the superheroes, Infamous. I played Infamous. Oh. Infamous is really yeah. cool. Um, you know, I went back and played a few of them. But I got it specifically for Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, because I love Level 5. And I really love uh, Studio Ghibli films, right? And the fact that they were coming together to make something... And it was kind of like Pokemon, and I'm such a huge fan of Pokemon. I was like, ah, this is made for me. So <laughs> immediately went out and bought a special edition red God of War PS3. That's the cool thing about adopting consoles late, by the way, is you can get the cool special edition ones. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot justify, no matter how much I want a particular one, buying another Switch just because it has a different color scheme. That's, that, that is just the height of opulence right there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh, you know what's uh, showing up in used circles, though, and for not that much anymore? The special edition Star Wars 360, which I thought really? was pretty cool. The 360 hmm. looks like R2-D2 and makes the R2-D2 beep boop when you open the system tray. And then you have a gold controller kind of like C-3PO. So keep an oh, eye that's out. Neat. Yeah, go, go to resellers. Check them out. They're going for like $100 or less, maybe even 50 I think I've seen them as cheap. So, yeah. No, 360s are really cheap right now, and they may pick up soon because they're closing the store. That's another thing. If you see 360 games out there in the wild that you don't have or there's ones that you've always kind of wanted to grab, I'd get them now, to be honest, because I feel like the prices are going to go up once they close the store for sure. Yep. All right. Uh, what else we right. got? PS3, We've got the Wii. The Wii. Um, You're going to be nicer I to think... the Wii uh, this week, Jed? Uh... <laughs> Was I mean last time? You were time? clowning the shit out of the Wii in regards to horror movies. You are like, they ain't got horror games. Wii sucks. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> well, I do love the Wii. I have a Wii. Yeah. It is a wonderful system. Yeah. Um, it's just a system with challenges. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, just like the I, GameCube. We love a little Tink Tink. He did, he, I mean, yep. we can't knock it. The Wii was like crazy successful. Like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Just tapping markets yeah. untapped. So, you know, kudos. And... uh my pick's going to be a lazy pick, but I think it's the. Uh, I think it makes sense, and it's probably going to be your pick too. Wii Sports, Sports. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't tap those markets without Wii Sports. True. It, Very you important. know, it got it got aunt, your Aunt Becky, and it got your Grandpa Joe, and it got uh, the mailman, and everyone who had never touched a video game system and just thought they were kids' toys. It got them to pick up a controller and go, holy shit, I'm bowling. I'm playing tennis. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I played it, a buddy had gotten it, uh, and he had managed to score one within like a month of launch somehow. And he brought it over, and we set it up in our living room, and we're playing. All he had was Wii Sports. Mm. We must have played that thing for four hours. I could not lift my arm (laughs) I could not even get it 90 degrees perpendicular from my body. Oh my god. I couldn't I couldn't bend my elbow cuz it was just I mean we didn't realize that all you really had to do is go 
you know, just flick your wrist. We were going full seasoned gamers like you didn't immediately figure out like the subtlety to motion controls because I did and used to piss people off. Like they'd hand me the controller and I'd be laying on a couch and I'd be like, (laughs) you know, and they'd go, you're not doing it right. But I was striking. You know what I mean? Uh, So it it got you. But that's cool. Oh, yeah. It's and, funner and to do never, it that way. I wish I believed oh, yeah. in it like that. You know what I mean? I, I never, it just never even occurred to me. I just thought, hey, it's motion controlled. It must be one to one. So there I am. I'm swinging like yeah. Andre Agassi. I'm bowling like, name a pro bowler. I don't know one. Yeah. Um, but King I was Pin. making the full motion. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, how many consoles did that sell? 102 million or something? Yeah, a lot of a lot Third of people of got addicted to throw, right? A lot of people got addicted to throwing a fake bowling ball. Yeah, no, without a doubt, most important. I mean, I was thinking about Super Mario Galaxy, and I think that's important to people who are already invested in gaming. But I mean, cannot compare with how expanded gaming became and ubiquitous gaming became thanks to the mm-hmm. Wii. And we have that to thank for the amount of variety, like almost staggering amount of variety that we have now, you know what I mean, in the type of games that we can play. So, And I think also um, Wii Sports' impact, and this goes back to what I was saying about the 360, it had an industry-wide impact because both Sony and Microsoft turned their head and went, what are they doing that we're not? Mm-hmm. Why, can't, why can't we get that money? Yeah. And that's why you have the Connect. And that's why they, uh, why you have the move. Yeah. Yeah. And now Sony didn't really follow through on the move very hard, but But it did help with their VR. So yeah, they spun it into something else and that's, and that's working well enough. Um, Microsoft went all in on the connect and that's why, and that's why they are where they are. Killed them in eighth gen for sure. Yep. Like, they never recovered, even though they, they went back on pretty much everything. They just never recovered from coming out the gate with, uh, you must use the connect and be online. Fuck you. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? Uh, I mean, I was a 360 loyalist and I was primed and ready to get an X-Bone. And when I heard that, I was like, nope, PS4. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. That, I have my two favorite ball dro- or uh, record drop memories of E3. One is the place is Sony's absolute burial of the Saturn with respect 299 walks off. Yeah. But the other one was that how to share games on the PS4 and you have one guy holding a game and he just turns and hands it to the other guy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) bullet in the head. Yeah. Oh man. Do not expose your jugular to Sony because they will go for it every time. They don't give a shit. They must've been so mad. I mean, I know they were because I I heard uh, uh, Jim Ryan just constantly crying about the Activision Blizzard acquisi- ac- uh, acquisition, saying mm-hmm. it's, it was not fair gaming. Comp- they would have done it. If they had a chance, they would have done it. I think Microsoft, mm-hmm. their advantage other than having just like stupid amounts of money is them just thinking that something can happen. The, the hubris you have to have to think you can buy Nintendo during Switch success, like... That didn't get them that. But when you shoot the moon, you still land among the stars. And the fact that, yep. like, was it 63 billion? I can't remember how much they acquire them for. But the fact that it was more than 1 billion, billions of dollars, I can't even conceive of that amount of money. No. 
Golden parachute for all the assholes who work at Activision Blizzard, by the way, which I hate. Um, but it is what it is. Maybe things will get better for the employees. Probably not. Mergers never do, but we'll see. So. All right. So all right. Uh, I, I'll quickly mention before we move to 8th Gen, um, Wii Sports Resort was kind of like my Wii Sports. That would, I really got into the sword fighting. You know, that really sold it for me. And the archery. Archery is so fun. Uh, and mm-hmm. no more heroes. Love I just love me a good quirky Japanese game, especially ones that use the little, you know, quirks of the system really well. So, uh, you know, shout out to no more heroes. Eighth gen. Eighth gen. What we got? Nintendo. We got two Nintendo consoles, and we've got the X Bone and the PS4. All right. Um. Wii U. Good lord. <laughs> Uh, if if the GameCube was the little engine that could, the Wii U was the little engine that never was gonna. Yeah. <laughs> um, Out disgraced by maybe the Virtual Boy. That's about it. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good games uh, on the system, though. That's what's sad. Yeah, it is, and doubly sad is the fact that ninety eight percent of them have been ported to the Switch, which means going back and collecting a Wii U is virtually pointless. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I unless, could go back uh, and tell myself that when I started doing it. Uh, <laughs> like, unless you're a really big Star Fox Zero fan. Mm, I don't think anybody <laughs> is. At least they shouldn't be. No. I, I, no. Know, there are some games that definitively play better. Like, we talked about Zombie U last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. Uh, for me, I did pick a game for it because it sold the system to me, Breath of the Wild. Again, it's on Switch, obviously. But if the Switch hadn't happened or before the Switch happened... Breath of the Wild was definitely a killer app on the system. And then Mario Kart 8, I think, could be argued even more. Because, again, had things turned out different, even retrospectively, it would have been beloved retrospectively for sure, just like the GameCube is. And it would be beloved because of that game. Like Mario Kart 8 would be my pick. No doubt in my mind. So, Yep. All right. Well, then let's talk about the Switch then, since we're already on Nintendo. Uh, you mentioned it for the Wii, uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, one hundred percent. Yeah, it. Just the idea of of when I heard the uh, the creators of it go, we went back to the original Legend of Zelda and thought, well, what if we just did this but in three D? Yeah. And I went, oh, well, shit, that's. Duh! <laughs> Nailed it. But it wasn't just yeah. that, right? Because anybody could translate that one-to-one, and it wouldn't be what Breath of the Wild is. Breath of the Wild... Oh, right, right, yeah. The world and the way that you interact with it really does bring that experience to life. It's not just the exploration, which on its face, on its own, is great. It's not just the puzzle-solving and the dungeon dungeons. That is also great. It's the physics and the way that you interact with the world using the Sheikah Slate that really, really makes that game what it is. And not just the physics of the powers, but what happens when you chop down trees, when there's a fire, how it affects your paraglider, when you climb, when you swim, when you, you know, do different things to interact with the world, when you try to ride a bear. You know, it's one of those games mm-hmm. where it's like, I wonder if we can. Yes, you can. If you're yeah. wondering if you could spin around in circles and the, the dog will copy you. Yes. If you feed him, yes, he will show you treasure. Like, it's it's the little things in the game like that that really kind of send it on its way, for sure. So. Yeah, it, it it really is the purest distillation of the concept of an open world game in that there is 
no limit to the answer for the question, what do you want to do here? Yes. Multiple approaches and the more you can allow for creativity in moment-to-moment gameplay, that is the formula for success every time. Every time. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I mean, I can't argue. I would say Breath of the Wild and, and Tears of the Kingdom just as a kind of combined package. Um, yep. You know, I, I wrote down Hades and I'm trying to remember why. Like, I love Hades. Don't get me wrong. Hades is an amazing game. Uh, in fact, it, out of all the roguelites I've ever played, it's the only one that's so f- seamlessly and successfully integrated its story into what a roguelike is. Like, it makes sense in the world when you die and start over. Because you're mm-hmm. trying to escape Hades, right? Yeah. Um, maybe just, you know, important because the Switch is not just first party like previous Nintendo titles. The Switch is has a really great relationship with indies, rivaled maybe only by Xbox this generation. Uh, and it has not only a great relationship with indies, but it's like a port machine. You know what I mean? Like like we said, the 98% of the Wii U library, a lot of other games from that previous generation. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, even games that shouldn't work on the Switch, they found a way, you know, with like the online or the cloud gaming, which I'm definitely not going to do because I have the option not to. But if all you have is the Switch, the fact that you can still play Doom and other type like Kingdom Hearts 3, shit like that, that's really cool. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And on the go, no less. If you, if you have an internet on the go, sure, in a hotel, who knows? <laughs> uh, it's it's really cool. So, all right, you want to get Expo out of the way? I honestly don't even have anything for it. Um, this is a system that, when it happened, for its lifespan, it was so under the radar for me. I mean, it, yeah. The only reason why I, I own one is because I got one used cheap, and I figured maybe they'd eventually come out with a killer app. I mean, I was interested in Sunset Overdrive, to be fair, and that game is really fun, but it's it's not going to sell a system. Um, yeah, I I did what you did for the fourth generation. I picked one game for both PS4 and for Xbox, and that's Red Dead Redemption 2. Not an obvious choice, I know. Yeah. Uh, but I was trying to think, you know something that really kind of sold the system and red dead redemption two, I just think is really reflective of the previous generation as a whole, as far as like the, the technical, the pushing of boundaries, right? Uh, how gorgeous the game is, the way it tells its story and how impactful it was narratively to a lot of people, um, culturally, I mean, I think it was definitely one of the standouts across both consoles and kind of the fairest way that I can honor both as far as like what was impactful to them. So, all right. Um, so, you know, just thinking about it, my PS4 selection is actually could be also on Xbox one. I just didn't think about associating with the Xbox one Mm. Fortnite. Okay. Um, not that I want to pick Fortnite, of mm. uh, it's not a game I'm fond of. Yeah. Um, but the cultural impact that that game has had over the past six, seven years, especially 2020, 2021, when that game became a social tool, when they were holding concerts in it and movie premieres and, 
you know, it was Civil a way that <clears throat> right. Our ch- you know, children were using it as a communication tool when they couldn't leave the house anymore. Mm. Um, that game's cultural penetration is just, I, I can't think of a game in recent memory that has gotten as big in a, so effortlessly, like it didn't even, you know, it, it didn't have the marketing of a Nintendo or a, a Sony. It wasn't a console exclusive. It just kind of happened on its own. And we all, we all kept sitting there going, okay, the bubble's going to burst sooner or later. The yeah. fad's going to wear out. The bubble's going to burst. It happened to five nights at Freddy's and it happened to uh PUBG, and it happened to all sorts of games. Sure. The bubble, the bubbles never burst. It still keeps going. It's the free-to-play game of choice of a whole generation. And, uh, you know, across this generation, too, like, you pick it for PS4 and Expo, but you could pick it for mobile. You know, you could mm-hmm. pick it for Switch, even. You can pick it for just about anything, like PC, anything you can play a game on. Yeah. Um, I mean, perfect example. The game came out, um, what is it? Seven, five, six, seven years ago. I can't even keep track of when it came out. But I know that my my oldest kids, who are 17 now, were 10, 11, 12, give or take, when it first started to mm-hmm. – when it came out and really first started to take off. Mm-hmm. And it was their life. My – the I have twins. My, my two oldest are twins. The younger twin was borderline addicted to it. Um, it's their Halo. They've – yeah. It's their Gears of War. They've since – They've since moved on to playing Grand Theft Auto mm. and Call of Duty mm. and all sorts of other games. And every now and then, you know, Fortnite will come up and they'll be like, oh, that game's for kids. That game's lame. It never, it changed it too much. Blah, 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 blah. Aww. And then a week, and then a week later, yeah, they'll dip back into it. it and be like, and play it for a month. <laughs> it's their golden eye. <laughs> it, 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 no, I mean, I think yeah. that's a good pick. I, you know. To give the PS4 a little more props, I do want to do some sidebars about it because I I think Fortnite and Red Dead Redemption they can both you know vie for like probably the best academic answers. But let, let's look at the PS4 by itself. The God of War reboot, you know, Final Fantasy yep. VII remake, Persona Five, arguably the greatest JRPG of all time, uh, definitely a contender. The Witcher Three, you know, there there are experiences, and again, I think The Witcher was on Xbox, but who cares? There are experiences <laughs> on the PS4 that are quite fantastic. I remember when the PS5 came out and they made that little PlayStation Plus collection of PS4 games to catch up on on your PS5 while you're waiting for PS5 games to release. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the 12 of us that got one during launch, including myself. I was very lucky. Um, <laughs> and I had played all these games already for the most part, but it was all these, you know, either first party or exclusive games you know what I mean? That had come out for PS4 and it was robust and interesting. You had, you know, for better or worse, you know, whether you're interested in it or not, you had, uh, what was that one with the zombies and the biker? Uh, what was that one called? Oh, uh, Days Gone. Days Gone. You know what I mean? A lot of people really liked that. You had uh, The Last Guardian, the remake of the Shadow Colossus, the Persona games, um, the, the newest infamous, right? The PS4 version, Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank's great on PS4. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Love Ratchet and Clank. I love the one on PS5. Um, there, yeah, there's just all these games that, you know, came out that really define the system. Like Horizon, there's like a lot of new IPs they started last generation um, that are great and really beloved now. So, 
yeah, the PS4, I think, really rocked last generation. And if it wasn't for the fact that Switch can be counted among it, I would unanimously give it the winner. But I think the Switch gives it a run for its money. And I would argue the Switch is probably more successful just by yeah. virtue of making those same games, you know, portable. Maybe not the exact same games, but you know what I mean. Yep. So uh, another game I would like to add for PS4, if I didn't pick Fortnite to cover both, I would have a hard time not picking Spider-Man. Yeah. Go Insomniac. The, Once again, making the list. Insomniac crushing it. Yep. Um, and even if it's just a personal choice, that game was just so beautiful, so well done. I cannot remember the last time I felt so much childlike joy in a simple mechanic in a game. Like Spider-Man when, 2. When you... Yeah, when you jump off when you jump off the building and you hit the web and you swing yeah. and just swinging through the city, it's done so perfectly and it's just so much fun. To yeah. do. I never I never used the fast travel because swinging was fun. Yeah, I didn't even know until I read it in a Kotaku article that they had like a scene for fast traveling where you're like sitting on the subway, which is really funny, but no one's ever going to see it because every, like you said everybody wants to swing everywhere. That's how it's right. man. That's how it's. And I mean, it's more commonplace now, but I really think it can't be overstated just how impressive the fluidity of the animation transitions are. When you go mm -hmm. into a swing, the animation, even when you make split-second decisions, the way that he moves into the animation quickly enough to feel responsive, but also smoothly enough to not look jarring, like you're bugging him out. That's yep. just not something that, you know, up to that point we had seen a whole lot of, so... I, I got to give it to him. I really do. For yep. that amount of speed Absolutely. to be able to transition animations like that is nothing short of impressive. So, yep. I'm looking forward. I don't have Spider-Man two yet, but I'm looking forward to getting that one. And same like that. That's, that's going to be a set everything aside. Yeah. and just. I'm going to be downstairs, honey. Take care of the kids. I gotta, I gotta do this. Yep. <laughs> you ain't going to see me. Sorry. Oh, the, oh, the house is burning down? Okay, yeah. no problem. I'm in a basement. It's safe. Send down some water. We'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that covers it. That We talked about some very important games over the years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I had an idea for the next show. I didn't know if you had anything you had your heart set on. No, I do not. Uh, and maybe we can discuss it on this episode as kind of a heads up to your gamers on what we might be doing next. Or at least, you know, sometime soon. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up if you're not already listening to this in the month of November, depending on when this comes out. And, uh, you know, people talk about what they're thankful for, right, on Thanksgiving, and it's a time to be grateful. And I thought it would be really, really cool to not necessarily have to go through every generation because, you know, different generations are going to be more important to you or me. But discuss if we played certain consoles in their, hey, games that were really important to us. Maybe they were formative. Maybe they got us back into gaming. Maybe they it was like a major turning point. Maybe it's just the soundtrack to a period of our lives, something that we tie to it. You know what I mean? I thought that would be really cool. Our first this, our favorite that, things that you know really make us grateful to be gamers. I love that. That is a that's a wonderful, positive, fun idea. We need some positivity nowadays, folks. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, let, let's shoot for that for in the next episode or at least, you know, in the, I mean, the next couple. Uh, look forward to that so you have something you can talk about and be thankful for this season. And, uh, you know, let us know 
contact us. Let us know what you're thankful for. Maybe if we get it soon enough, we can, you know, put it in the next episode or we can talk about it a little bit later down the line. Maybe some things that we may have missed. Yeah. All right. I think think that about does the show today. Yep. If you'd like to, uh, aside from the fact that we'd really love it if you subscribe and rate us and review us on your platform of choice, uh, if you'd like to contact us. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Tell us a whole different uh, nominee for whatever generation you think that we completely blew it on. <laughs> you can contact us in a multitude of ways. Uh, our email, thefirstgengamers1000 at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with me directly, I, I'm on Blue Sky. Uh, that's Streets Ajed is my handle. Uh that's my pretty much my only social media. Um, so that's you want to find me there. You, there you are. Yeah, and again, if we what haven't already, we may be putting up some TikToks. It's something that I'm you know toying with the idea of, and maybe some other ways to promote. We'll definitely have a link tree so you can get all the links in one spot. Um, I'm mainly on. I guess it's called X now. Ugh, I really want to quit X. I just can't find anything equivalent. Uh, <laughs> but I do, you know. CX often. So if you DM me on the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, you can find me at Mike Peterson AL. And again, that's, that will be in our links as well. So thanks for showing up and hearing us out. All right. Until next time. Take care.